Hello, you're listening to Feeding the Senses Uncensored. I am your host, Trey Mitchell. I know there is an infinite amount of podcasts out there, so we're glad you found this one. Check out my photography on Instagram and Facebook at Trey Mitchell Photography. Also, check out Feeding the Senses Uncensored on Instagram and Facebook. We are always looking for new sponsors, so please reach out, ftsunashville at gmail.com. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share. Trevor Toms is a singer, songwriter, poet, and musical artist. Originally from Denver, now a Nashville resident. My name is Trevor Toms, and you're listening to Feeding the Senses Uncensored. What's up, man? Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing, Trey? <laughs> good. So you've been uh, on the road a good bit lately. I have. I was just recently in Colorado on a little mini tour, um, playing my way out there and hustling back with uh, some musical instruments. I brought back a piano back to Nashville and a cello. In your Miata? In the Miata, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three-quarter ton truck. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. So let's uh, start with, where are you from? I am from Denver, Colorado. Like Denver proper or a suburb or a small town? Denver proper. Wow, okay. Yeah, I've spent my whole life basically in Denver, minus trips here and there, and made the big move to Nashville in October of last year. Well, the end of October last year. And how's it been since you moved here? Nashville's great, man. I, I really love uh, I love this town. I feel at home, and in fact, I bought a home. I didn't even own a bed before I bought a house, <laughs> and I bought a house <laughs> just recently, a couple months ago, and um, I'm here for the, for the long term. Well, you needed a home to put your bed in. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, so you moved to Nashville for music, I assume. Yes. And I met you in Denver through a mutual friend. I think you've been here relatively short amount of time, but you're getting a good grasp on how to make things work in Music City as far as getting out, doing shows and networking, and you've got like new music and videos and a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you know, I um, spent my whole life in in Denver and, and thought, if I'm going to make this move to pursue music full time, I better make it serious, you know, be serious about it and make the most of it. I've been going to writer's rounds to play or just to watch. I've been going to lots of shows through, you know, some of our friends um, have had tickets. I've uh, been in the recording studio this early summer um, and recorded three new songs and we did three new music videos, which was just as much work, if not more, than recording the audio, the tracks themselves. And trying to meet people and got a gig on Broadway at AJ's Good Time Bar just recently. A standing gig and a standing gig in Lebanon, Tennessee. And just Le- Lebanon. 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 <laughs> First time I, I called it Lebanon, I was corrected. <laughs> Not the country, a little town called Lebanon. That's funny. So tell me more about your musical background. Actually, tell me also, you have an interesting background in agricultural design? Yeah, in uh, landscape design, yep. I went to university for landscape horticulture and learned about you know, how to design landscapes. I learned about care for trees and grass and plants, etc. Soils and taxonomy classes and all kinds of things. And I've been doing that since, well, since I was about 14. I've been doing that almost 17, 18 years. Decided that it was time to actually pursue music full-time, which I've been doing every night after work. So now I, uh, I'm in this for real to do music. Still got to pay the bills. Today I built a deck. Which is always kind of cool. I've built four and I enjoy that kind of stuff. Now I'm older than you and it's a little more backbreaking and a little more taxing, but I love doing that kind of stuff. And hey man, when I, shoot, when I first lived here, I was self-employed in quotes because I had my own kind of business, but I had part-time jobs waiting tables, bartending, barbacking, all that kind of stuff, because you just need to have a little something until you get on your feet, right? 
So there's no shame in that. But it makes sense that you're a tree hugger and a singer songwriter. <laughs> yeah. They kind of go together. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got to find inspiration where you can and spend a lot of time in bar rooms. So it's nice to get outside and get some fresh air and some sunshine. I'm happy to not be doing that 80 hours a week and only 20 hours a week or whatever it is as it comes and goes. Yeah, a nice change. Let's go back to music a little bit. So I met you in Denver and you're obviously playing out live, but I don't really know much about your recording past. So how many songs or records or EPs or recordings have you done in the past? Yeah. Um, So I had a seven-piece soul rock and roll band called One Way Ride that was really trying to make it in Denver for about four years, five years. Members came and went, but there was always uh, the lead guitarist and I, Tony Gofredi, were were the core members of the band. That Hey, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Life is? Life is? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. He... Uh, He's still playing music on the side, and he's teaching guitar lessons full-time. But, um, yeah, we, we had met uh, senior year of high school, and we'd played in college bands, uh, metal band in college together, and a couple other things over the years. Spent some time building this soul soul band and added trumpet and saxophone and female vocals. We recorded, I think, three albums, uh, three full-length albums with that group. Over the years, on the side, I had my first, I guess, my debut solo album, which we did in the bass player's basement, kind of on a a shoestring budget of case of Bud Light for a day of recording, (laughs) which was fun. That was my first endeavor into trying to do my solo stuff. But the other projects I was involved in, I had lots of a good community, I guess, around me that knew what they were doing. And we did a few things in Denver. I also had recorded R&B concept albums, like the third chapter of five chapters in a, in a love story. And that was a totally different project. That was drum and bass focused and concept album, meaning there was a common thread sonically and thematically throughout the whole project. That was a unique experience. That was a new endeavor for me. Because I'm not an R&B artist. Well, I was going to say, so you've done R&B, you said hard rock, mm-hmm. and then you're talking about concept record that's more R&B. Mm-hmm. So what do you consider that you do now, or is this another new chapter and a new type of genre, or is this getting back to the roots of kind of who you really are and the music you've always wanted to make? I think this is um, a return to what I started as... Uh, my solo act, which I always was calling Americana rock and roll. It's really, I would call it alt country <laughs> for, you know, it's so hard. Artists don't want to define themselves, especially musicians. Yeah. They they say, oh, I'm, I, I don't really have a genre. Well, you know, you got to pick one. I'm whatever you want me to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're trying to, they're trying to play to everybody, which is great. You got to, you know, it's, it's part of the hustle, but the the recent recordings I've done this year in 2021 are um, very much an alt country. So there's pedal steel and there's a twangy electric guitar lead and I'm playing acoustic guitar and singing and writing lyrics about heartbreak. So tell me that's not country. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, a lot of times, not only is it that people want to compare you to someone else, it's also that people want to be able to promote you in a certain type of light or genre or something. So there's a lot of business marketing uh, and now social media that goes along with the whole package. And I know right before we started recording, you were saying you're on this and this and this and this now. And it really, it takes full court press to go on all the socials on every outlet that you possibly can, because the more exposure you get, the more exposure you get, obviously the more people see you, right? Right, right. And you know, the the soul band I was talking about earlier, One Way Ride, we had great music, we had a good fan base, but we just couldn't turn that into a business. And that's what this is. And the business is, to be blunt, a lot of it is social media. It's your presence online. 
you know, people will see you, see you live and that's great. And they'll pay for a ticket to, to go see your show, but it's all about this follow up and daily connections with complete strangers online that seems to be driving the industry and that, and you just have to do it or don't, but it's definitely a path to success. Yeah. I mean, you, if you can't beat them, join them. And it, it really is, I hate to say a game because it is a business, but you know, when people are making millions of dollars being influencers and when you have all these businesses that, you know, I can boost your post, I can get you more followers, I can do all these things. And it really is driven by uh, economics. You know, it's definitely business, oh, yeah. but it's new. It's different. And a lot of people like myself and sounding like you a little bit are reluctant to it, but it is what it is now. Now, five years, 10 years for now, it might be completely different. But if you want to be successful, you kind of have to jump in the stream going the same way. Right. I know creatively, I know you and myself included, I want to go upstream. I don't want to go the same way that everybody else is. (laughs) But it it is what it is. And I think you're doing a good thing to uh, jump in full force. Like I said, I mean, you're hitting it hard. Your your learning curve here in Nashville has been really uh, short. Uh, A lot of people take a lot longer. Uh, And you've got your different groups of musicians that you hang out with. And it really does take immersing yourself into the culture to really make connections and kind of find uh, your own voice, right? It does. And, you know, there are so many talented people in this city. No, that... I haven't seen one, heard one, <laughs> nothing, no. Uh, you know, but I think a lot of it is showing up. You just, yeah, you have to be there for all the things. And if that's an online presence or if that's going to somebody else's songwriting round just to shake hands, I mean, then you got to be there. And a lot of people don't, you know, get that right away. I think it takes, I think it takes a little time for a lot of people to understand. You just have to show up and just start doing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's important. I mean, when I, long time ago, when I started my magazine, my first friend I met here in Nashville, who was an artist who still is, but he said, you know what? You did it. I'm like, I did what? He said, well, you did what you said you were going to do. I'm like, well, I said I was going to do it. He said, but no, that's, that's the thing. (laughs) This town, and it's not just this town, it's LA and New York, any major business whether it's theater and film or modeling and acting and music, you know, everybody's talking about their craft, right? But like you said, show up. So all I did was say, I'm going to do something. I did it. I didn't know anything about what I was doing, which is probably best for me because I just went in and and learned on the way. You can't just uh, put out a record and sit there and do nothing. People people aren't going to come finding you. They're going to knock on your door. Trevor, I heard you have an EP out. Right. How'd you hear about that? Who told you that? Yeah. No. No one cares. We're. I mean, they do care. That's not fair. I'd say they care, but we're so inundated by media. By there's just so much out there that's in your face all the time. So definitely, you have to show up and you just have to present it. And honestly, sometimes you got to go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. And and I agree. People do care, but. It's so easy right now to to not put forth any effort as a consumer to just hop on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever people are doing. And it all comes right to you. Well, just like Netflix and Hulu. And, you know, we're back to the old days when we had cable packages. If we could just pick what we wanted separately and that happened. And now all of a sudden you got 12 channels of streaming. (laughs) You're back to the same damn thing. But right. But yeah, it's cool though. Um, it's all good. Trey, I'm thinking about getting a billboard. What do you think? A billboard in Nashville? Have you seen Have you seen the the music billboard? You know, the artist billboards. Yeah, downtown? I mean, I've you know, I never had that in mind because I never had the budget. But I did want to get the bus signs. Oh yeah, yeah. I did want to. Do, I've designed a few bus signs for artists. Uh, but our main thing back in the day was graffiti advertising because it's a captive audience. You're standing there or you're sitting there and you're looking at nothing. Oh, there's something to look at. And our friend made a comment recently, you know, those sales are down because everybody's on their phone when they're in the bathroom now. Oh, yeah. Changes everything. Yeah. Oh, man, we're so locked into our phones. So get on people's phones. Oh, it's awful. (laughs) It's like I misplaced my phone in my own house for five minutes. And I go, oh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Well, I don't need it right now, but I know I need my, I mean, everything, my alarm. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything your, your is calendar. To, yeah. Your <laughs> we're so codependent with technology. You know, it's, uh, it seems to be just a sign of the times, but you just, I don't know. 
just have to kind of roll with it. It's antithetical to who I am as a person. I would rather be in the woods in Alaska or Colorado or Montana or something just unplugged and sitting in front of a campfire, but I'm also trying to make money as a musician, as an artist, so here I am. Yeah, I mean, it's the old days when you had people discovering artists. I think it's a little different now. It's almost like people discover artists and then the people with money take notice. Right, right. Let's take a break and listen to a song by Trevor Toms called Bad Love. You play with love, play with fire, lead them on with sweet desire. You bring them in, you take them higher. String them up All on the wire All your love is bad Bad, bad, bad All your love is bad Bad, bad, bad Was a time I had you. Was a time when we were true. Love was something real, so sublime. I went and crossed you, baby. Went and crossed the line. Now I've done you, baby. Falling for you one more time. When cross you, baby. back to the podcast. So tell me more about who are your influences? I know there's probably a lot, but give me your top three influences musically. This is not an influence per se, um, but my number one music hero is Marvin Gaye. 
I've been, I grew up on the oldies station. That's what my mother listened to in the car. Uh, the oldies station or the classical station. So that's what I listened to well into, I mean, until I was about a junior or senior in high school. And so my music tastes were far removed from my peers, which was, <laughs> it was funny sometimes. I got made fun of sometimes. But um, yeah, Marvin Gaye always, always blew me away for his vocal style and his composition. He did put a really beautiful take on the things that he recorded that weren't his own writing. But I but I I really respected respect him as a as an artist and a and a composer and a performer. He put on great shows. If you ever watched that live at Montreux, I think it's nineteen eighty, with Marvin Gaye in this bright red jumpsuit. It's awesome. So speaking of seeing recordings, video documentation of artists that are no longer with us. Have you gotten into the musical documentaries that are so prevalent right now? You know, Trey, I have a I have a long list of ones that people have recommended to me. I haven't I haven't really been watching them, but I I do have a like about a two-page list in my book of things I need to watch. You got any recommendations? Yeah, actually <laughs> I've watched a lot recently. ZZ Top. Oh, I heard that was awesome. It is. And I'll have to tell you, I, I was not a huge fan of them when they hit big yeah. through um, MTV. Right. So what I've learned is I like their older stuff. Right. David Geffen, his mm-hmm. documentary is really good. Um, of course, Echo in the Canyon is great. I did see that one. That one's, yeah, that was excellent. Yeah. Did you go see the the Guy Clark? I did recently see the Guy Clark documentary at the movie theater. Yes, that was great. I saw David Foster's documentary, mm-hmm. which is really cool. There's just so many out there. It's been really exciting and gets me all jazzed to see this kind of stuff because, you know, you hear names or artists or songs or, oh, fame, the one about Muscle Shoals, mm-hmm. Fame Studios and the guys split off. That was really good. There's just so many, and it gets me really excited. Like I, it inspires me on a new level, which I've needed recently. Yeah, well, and you know that stuff, that information has been out there, but it's hard. You have to dig for it, and you have to read about it. I was always bewildered by my peers that that understood. Well, you know, would rattle off facts and understood everything about some artist or about 25 artists. And they could say, oh, did you know that they recorded this place with that person? And I'd say, oh, I'd know. <laughs> but, but back, you know, until recently, I mean, with this recent slew of documentaries in the past few years, you, you had to just look everything up and you had to study it. Actually, it's more accessible, which is great. Absolutely. Here's a few more that... Lady Gaga's was interesting. I didn't know much about her because I wasn't a fan of, of her disco kind of stuff. Dolly Parton, Clive Davis. There's just so many out there. And it's, again, it's just, it, it's inspiring. So, you know, get out there and check that stuff out. Yeah. Well, uh, when winter comes, next big snowstorm, <laughs> I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch about 20 documentaries in a row. Plenty of time then, yeah. So you never told me. So after... After Marvin Gaye. After Marvin Gaye, so, your influences. Yeah. So, yeah, Marvin Gaye was an inspiration, I guess, because I don't play anything that sounds like Marvin Gaye these days. But I would say a couple of my biggest influences are Ryan Adams. Oh, hell yeah. I take a lot of my songwriting uh, process and um, composition from things that he's written. Recently, which might as well be Ryan Adams, I don't know if that's fair to say, but uh, Rustin Kelly really inspired my most recent uh, recordings that I did this summer. He's somebody that could really mix poetry and melody in a beautiful way. That's something I've been trying to do for the better part of 10 years. So I was going to ask you about that because obviously you're a singer-songwriter and you can play multiple instruments, but I really do think about you as a poet. And so how is the uh, challenge or the transition from poetry to music? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Is it second nature? Like, how does that work for you? So I've gone through a process, which is 
it's funny. It's it it changes. So I used to write pretty exclusively. I would write poems and then try to fit chord structure and melody to that, making minor changes to the to the words, the lyrics. But and I still do that from time to time. But my songwriting process has developed and and it's a little more complex now. Um, there's a lot of back and forth. But I think integral to my process is writing poetry every day even if it's good bad ugly doesn't matter i have to i have to write that and get it out the melody can sometimes come to you you know on inspiration creative inspiration and sometimes you just say this is a melody i like this is somebody you hear a song and you say i want to do that but i want to do it my own way i'm still a poet first and foremost a songwriter second so talking about ryan adams i I'm here or there on his solo projects. Some I really love, some okay for me personally. Not mm-hmm. to say that lyrically, musically, I mean, I think he's a genius, but I really like Whiskey Town's second and third records. Oh, yeah. And then probably Rock and Roll, Gold, mm-hmm. and Love is Hell. Those are my favorites. Love is Hell is an incredible piece. To me, that that was poetry put to music, I thought. I mean, he's got a hook, a tagline, but that he repeats over and over. But the, he he paints a, a very clear picture, a beautiful picture. You know, it's it's understandable, it's relatable, um, and it just happens to be over music. Not a bad issue. Not no, a bad problem. No, not a bad problem. <laughs> Let's listen to another song by Trevor called "Call Off the Dogs." Call off the dogs. Call off the search and go home. Too long for me to keep holding on. You look past my eyes, such thin disguise. On living alive when we touch in the night. You're such a joke. As you slam the door, such a hollow reply. Call off the dogs, call off the surgeon, go home. You've been gone far too long for me to keep holding on. Call off the dogs, call off the surgeon, go home. You've been gone far too long. Too long for me to 
And we're back to the interview with Trevor Toms. So let's mix it up. Let's do a few things here. If you've heard the podcast, I have a few games. Yeah. The games. I love the games. The games. So I got all worried about the games, you know, listening to your other episodes, but I'm I'm excited to try my hand. Well, I mean, there's really no failure. <laughs> I haven't done spit tune in a while. Oh yeah. Spit tune. You're a lot like me that you listen to so many genres, so many types of artists from so many decades that it'd be hard to pin you down. So let's give this a shot, all right? All right. I'm going to give you the song title, and you try to give me the artist. Wrecking Ball? Ooh, it depends. Uh, Miley Cyrus or Eric Church? Eric Church? I didn't know he had a song called that. I was thinking Emmylou Harris. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So there's three. Yeah, there's three. Rolling in the Deep. Adele. Excellent. Old Town Road. Little Nas X, and I don't know who he did it with. That's all I know. Uh, Shape of You. I know that song. British guy. Yeah. Red hair. Yeah, his name, He look, I see his face. He did a lot of pop stuff. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, Ed. Good old Ed. Ed. <laughs> uh, bad guy. Uh, that's, um, she's got blue eyes and green hair or blonde hair. Yep. Uh, what's her name? She's got a brother who's a producer. Phineas. <laughs> Phineas. Um, oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. All right. This Billie. this may be a stretch. Hmm. Hotline Bling. That's Drake. Oh. I know, I know Drake. You know Drake. All right. Get Lucky. That was blasting in my ears last time I was playing AJ's Rooftop Bar <laughs> from the bar across the street. Of course. What's his name? Lucky. Stay up all night to get lucky. Bruno Mars. There it is. No. No. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Damn it. Bruno Punk. <laughs> Bruno Punk. All right. My Church. Country. I don't know that one. Marin Morris. Mm. She's got a great voice. She's somebody I have not listened to as much. Again, not a big country fan, but she has got a, a great voice. Right. All right, Thrift Shop. Yep, I know the music video. Little old school from Seattle. Yeah, he's wearing a he's wearing a fur coat. That's so funny because I never see music videos anymore, so I don't, I can't. That, I used to do that. I used to, oh, I I've seen them. Can't remember who they are, but yeah, Macklemore, Macklemore, some Ryan, some Ryan Macklemore, right? I don't even know. So you're teaching me. <laughs> All right, if we were vampires, that's Jason Isbell. Yep, Shake It Off. Taylor Swift, T-Swift. Blurred Lines. Okay, that's a really funny one because that comes back to Marvin Gaye. Um, that's Robin Thicke. And? I don't know. Pharrell. Uh, and Pharrell, okay. But Robin Thicke got sued for that yeah. by, the Mar- by, the Mar- by the gay estate. Yep. <laughs> for just stealing his song. Oh, yeah. And he paid it and said no big deal. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Oh, God, I don't think I can... I wouldn't know this. Iowa Wait. So mm. it's that all-country British... Oof. I don't know. Mumford & Sons. Oh. I will wait. I will wait yeah. for you. All right. Speaking of Pharrell... Oh, I just gave you the answer. Damn it. Happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pharrell Williams. Oh, how, how'd you know that? <laughs> All right. Tennessee Whiskey. George Jones and then and then uh, Chris Stapleton. Yep. Royals. Uh, that is that Aussie chick or New Zealand Lord. woman. Lord. Yeah. I listened to her newer stuff. What'd you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to be relevant that, forever. I that, mean, that first album was amazing. It was she great. Was Sixteen. Yeah. It's that's. I think she peaked early. Uh, Havana. Havana. No, it doesn't sound familiar. Camila Cabela. Oh, I don't know her. No, but you know that song, don't you? Probably. Right Time. No. Nope. So that's an alt-country chick. Right Time. Just sing a little bit of it. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I have the record. Nikki Lane. Nick. Oh, Nikki Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's a pop one. Radioactive. Imagine Dragons. Yes. <laughs> Two more. Pumped Up Kicks. 
21 Pilots? No, Foster the People. Foster the People, okay. So you know what that song is about? Yeah, it's about a school shooting, right? I think it's, yeah, I'm not sure which one, but yeah. And it sounds like such an upbeat, poppy, fun song, but when you listen to the lyrics, talking about trying to outrun bullets, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one... I would have never got because I don't know anything about this band, but I know the song. Counting Stars. Um, As in, we'll be counting stars. Right, right. She's out back counting stars. That one? Or are you talking about Counting Crows? No, no. That's a band, <laughs> not a song. Uh, one Republic. One Republic. Oh, yeah. Probably. I would have never guessed it because I don't know probably, anything about them. Probably would have heard that song before. Another song by Trevor called I See You. We're back with Trevor Tobbs. Okay, let's try Word Beat. 
Word beat. Word beat. First thing that pops in your head, you give me that response. You got it. Music. Love. Boulder. Rocks. Career. Work. Art. Beautiful. Fishing. Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You must be catfishing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way I fish, with a six-pack on the bank. There you go. That's a country song. (laughs) All right. Fescue. Grass. Women. Trouble. (laughs) Evergreen. Mountains. Poetry. Life. Sex. Life. Mulch. Work. Touring. Work. Drain. (laughs) Drain. Uh, Bathtub. Expectations. Self. Harp. Harmonica. Sod. I'm going to say work again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hit. Drum. Boots. Fun. Love. Everything. Success. Effort. Gig. Effort. (laughs) (laughs) Skills. Practiced. Relocation. New. Plan. None. Dating. Sure. Studio. Music. And Nashville. Good times. Good times. You talking about AJ's or Nashville? (laughs) Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good times. We have some friends that are really into guitars, types of guitars, types of sounds, collecting guitars. What do you play mostly? What are your favorite guitars to, to, to play? And what would you want to get? What, what's your dream guitar? Right. So coming at the music industry sort of sideways or, or backwards, coming at music from a different angle growing up my whole life, you know, with different genres, etc., that weren't popular with my peers. I always played whatever was in front of me. I've purchased two guitars in the last couple years, but I've owned five or six. And owned is a loose term. Uh, These were instruments that people gave to me. Uh, Not just my parents, but, you know, when I was a kid. But friends gift me a guitar and say, you know, you need an upgrade, so they'd give me this or that. I really love the Gibson J45 that I play. It's an acoustic guitar that came from my friend John Hargett because of the deep tone, etc. But at the same time, it's the guitar that I have because somebody gifted it to me. I play that thing seven days a week, every show, pretty much. So I'll play anything. I do like things in the deeper range as far as guitars go. Is that because you're... Voice is a little deeper? It's because I started out singing deeper, yes. I always, I tune the, my guitars down a half step because my range, my vocal range, starts a little lower, more of a baritone than a tenor. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but through vocal lessons, which I've been doing since I moved out here uh, every week, I've increased my range several steps and can play you know anything but i but i like i like that booming sound i I like the drama of an instrument that's woody and deep so the gibson i have right now is great at the same time it's more about uh the expression of the instrument to me than the instrument itself so people really nerd out on gear which is totally cool i love that i think it's about how you play it and how you express your art through that instrument that really that really makes the difference. Well, what about harmonicas? So this is what I know about harmonicas. I have two, never learned to play them. I think of harmonica, I think of Bob Dylan and John Popper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more and the listeners about harmonicas. I know we had a brief conversation recently about hey, what key is that? Because they're usually in different keys. But tell me as much as you can about what type you play and what are the most common keys that are played, and is there a certain brand that you prefer? Yeah, so that's a good point. I, I, I play harmonica pretty much every show, unless I'm just doing backup vocals for somebody. But Honer, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a, a German harmonica manufacturer, and to the best of my knowledge, they are one of the foremost harmonica manufacturers in the world. They make a great product. 
I just recently acquired one that my mother had when she was a kid. It's a Honer Marine Band in C, the key of C. And it's this gorgeous old relic that smells like that person and the box that it came in. It's kind of funny. They're really personal instruments because you're just... Spitting all of them? Breathing. You're spitting all <laughs> into them. Whatever beer you drank is, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you pick one up and go, Miller Lite? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, you know if it's not yours, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've purchased a, a variety of different brands of harmonicas over the years to test out. But I, I really like Honer. I think they, they're consistent and they're durable. It's funny, these things don't last a long time because there are brass reeds is how they work. You blow air across brass reeds or you suck air across blast, and they, brass reeds. And they vibrate. And they vibrate. Like strings almost. Mm-hmm. But reeds, yeah. And they're, the reeds are less than paper thin, so they get out of place and they get dirty and they oh. um, they destroy pretty easily. So you have to be careful if how hard you play them and how you take care of them. So but don't suck and blow too much. Don't suck and blow too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the harmonica has been a, a lot of fun to play. I really enjoy playing the harmonica because it feels untethered to me. Blues, blues standards, the harmonica seems, you know, the guitars and the bass and the guitar and bass for sure and the drums are doing the standards and the harmonica and the vocals are just off the rails. I mean, they're allowed to, to move. Like a lead guitar, or obviously lead vocals, but right. you're like a, a lead instrument when you play harmonica, right? Right. And it's, you know, the other, there are so many names for it, harp and, and mouth organ. If you play it just right, over the right accompanying music, I mean, it sounds like an organ. Oh, wow. You can do lots of cool things with, with that instrument that you can't necessarily do on a stringed instrument. Or with your voice. So can we hear you play? So if I give you, let's say, I'll just tell you right now. Can you do like a little riff that's rock, blues, folk? Yeah. Yeah, I could probably do that. We're going to do that in the key of A. So you asked about keys. Yep. 12. 12 keys. And um, you have to have a little suitcase to keep all these things together. (laughs) Because if you're playing in the wrong key, you can play any harmonica in any key. But there's the number of notes that you're allowed to play is pretty limited if you're in anything but the... The wrong key. Yeah, the okay. wrong key. All right. So here we're in the key of A. I'm going to do some uh, more bluesy stuff. Okay. Nice. Okay. So, more country might be some longer notes. Like, cool. Got to get that train whistle yeah. feel. Now that you know, there's lots of fast harp in country, but but that train whistle always sells. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you do if? Rock. Oof. I might need different harmonicas. So this is this gets into a complication about types of harmonicas, but I think I might have one that will work. Let me pull one out here. And I'm being facetious when I ask this, but size matters too, right? The size of the harmonica changes how it sounds, right? It does. So I just grabbed this big old marine band. This thing is about it's twice as large as the last harmonica I was playing. Okay. Um, it has four more notes, I guess you could say. It's probably eight because there's an exhale and an inhale. But yeah, Can you explain that a little bit? I mean, we know that you can blow and, and suck air through it and it changes. But so you said there's that adds double the amount of notes? Um, it adds one third more. So oh, okay. this has all twelve. How do I put this? You're you're testing my harmonica knowledge. It has um, the full. It has the full octave, and then a couple notes on either side. If it's has more holes in the harmonica. Okay. So for rock and roll, a lot of rock and roll harmonica is blues harmonica. Bruce Willis, the Blues Brothers. Mm. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's blues harmonica over uh, distorted electric guitars. But I'm gonna try something in C. We'll see. You said I'm going to try and see, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's that one's tough. That's the old that's that old harmonica I picked up from my mother that was in a box in the basement for I don't know, 40 years. Trey, I can give you lessons, man. You know what? <laughs> I've tried to play piano, guitar, harmonica, bass. I never tried drums, it's the most offensive instrument to try to learn. Totally. But, you know, my passion is art in general, but music has been such a huge part of my life. When I was a kid, I said, Mom, I want to play piano because she played piano. My dad played clarinet. I just loved the sound, the feel, and uh, I loved music so much. And I went to one lesson. I was really young, like probably probably nine, and I just cried and said, I can't do it. Besides my first divorce and not taking my grandfather's boat, that's my biggest regret. <laughs> well, you're surrounded by music, and you interview lots of different types of artists on this podcast, but I can tell that music's in your heart, and that's really the most important part. Thank you. I that's... live vicariously through all my interviews. Well, that was a rhyme, and I didn't even mean to do it. But... <laughs> <laughs> in a final song by Trevor Toms called Last Call. Show.
we're back to the interview with Trevor Toms. So we're going to do one more game here. Okay. And this is Ricker Roulette. So I'm going to give you five artists, mm-hmm. and you give me some feedback on one of them. Just pick one. It could be anything. It just sparks your your recall, right? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple sets here. Aerosmith, Green Day, Beastie Boys, or Adele? Oh, yeah. Okay, Green Day. This is the second live rock and roll show that I ever saw. It was uh, Fiddler's Green Amphitheater in Denver, Colorado, and I was 16. Like I said earlier, I'd been listening to doo-wop and Motown and Beethoven and Rachmaninoff. <laughs> and so I was totally out of the scene when their album Dookie came out. I was in middle school and didn't know anything about Green Day, but started to learn. And finally in high school, a friend bought some tickets to go see them along with, I think, Blink-182. It was the Warp Tour, 2001 or something. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. And I felt like I was finally starting to get a taste of this scene. <laughs> the scene that everybody else had, you know, was part of, the modern scene. Right. I love three-piece. It's hard to hide blemishes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you got to be tight. <clears throat> and I was in college radio when they came out with their reissue of their first two records on Lookout Records from Berkeley, California. Yeah. And I thought they were really good. And then Dookie hit, and I do like that record. I actually like American Idiot. I think that the one they oh, won a good Grammy one. for. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't like them, but I think they have some cool stuff. And I would have loved to see them live when they were. I, I keep having this recurring issue that, you know, oh, I'll see them next time. And then they all start dying. <laughs> they get old. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me give you another set. Living Color, Fish, Nickel Creek, Rusted Root, or Tupac? All right, so I got a story about Tupac. Well, I never met Tupac. That's not a, this is not the the dish dish take, but uh when I was 10 years old, my older brother was graduating high school. He had this 1992 Mercury Topaz was the was the model of the car. It was some four-door sedan, this little junker, and he had two 12-inch subwoofers in the trunk and a 1,000-watt amp under the passenger seat. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he had a Pioneer stereo. Oh, I had that when I was young. Oh, it was dope. So so, anyway, one day I was under his care. We were rolling down to his school. He had to pick up some friends or something or meet some friends. I don't know what he was doing. I can surmise, but uh, <laughs> I can guess. I can guess if he had to go see a guy. Uh, but I didn't know. I was 10 years old. Anyway, you know, he would blast, like, all of that amazing 90s rap at full volume in his car. And when we get close to his high school or close to the neighborhood, we would, uh, which was in a rough part of town, he'd say, all right, man, you got to jump in the back. So I'd sit in the back seat, and these two 12-inch subwoofers would just be blasting Tupac at full volume, and I, it was like a back massage. And that was the first time I ever had a real introduction into uh, rap and Tupac, for that matter. And I fell in love with it. Yeah, he was very much a poet. Oh, absolutely. All right, last group, and then I'll ask a couple more questions, and we'll wrap up. Although we could just talk for hours, but, you know, you got to cut it off somewhere. Yeah. All right, The Doors... Janis Joplin, Snoop Dogg, or Counting Crows? Yeah, I'll talk about The Doors because I'm a big fan of Jim Morrison. I, uh, in fact, did a photo shoot. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Trey. I I did a, a photo shoot where I recreated 50 images, iconic images of famous musicians. Oh, wow. And as an homage to these people. And one of them was Jim Morrison, and we recreated a couple shots from his black and white shoot where i don't know it's probably the album cover for their greatest hits or something but it was real avant-garde when they were popular him shirtless just curly hair walking around in leather pants acting like a maniac i do that every day at home yeah (laughs) right now (laughs) we both are we both are (laughs) the doors uh very very dark but 
back to poetry, those were the artists that always always grabbed me immediately. The Doors were one that I thought was poetry just over a melody line. I mean, very matter-of-factly. Yeah. Sometimes they had some song that they put together, but you could tell it was different than <laughs> what Jim wrote and said, hey, play some music under this. Right. <laughs> I'm giving you this, now make it work. Yeah. Okay, so you... Again, just put out some new music, and you have music videos coming up. Where would people find all of your new material online? That's a good question. TrevorToms.com. T-O-M-S, not H. Correct. T-R-E-V-O-R-T-O-M-S, like the shoes. TrevorToms.com has links to everything. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Trevor Tom's music, I think, is the handle for both those. Now, as of this week, this old man's on uh, TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to put on there, but probably some cool stuff. We'll, we'll come up with some, some fun content. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so last question. Give me your short-term and long-term goals professionally, musically. What I'm trying to do with my career is make a connection with humanity, with one person, one time, one place. If if I can connect with somebody in this way, there's that moment when you see somebody walk in the door, the love of your life walks in the door, or the first time you first time you said I love you to somebody, or a first time you ever felt true remorse and heart heartbreak from the loss of somebody you cared about, or there's a soundtrack to that. There's a song that people associate with these moments. And that's been truly impactful in my life, and I want to be that for somebody else. I want to be the soundtrack to the moments that we all experience. And I think the other part of that is that's really important to me long term is creating a voice for other people. So I can tell my story, and my story is worth whatever to somebody, but if I can be their voice, then that. I count as truly successful. That's my long-term overarching 30,000-foot goal. But I, I'd like to live comfortably enough and simply enough with revenue from, from making music and providing a voice for people. In the short term, that means playing four or five nights a week. That means recording. It means getting on to national tour 2022 or 2023 doing an international trip like a little tour in Europe so I'm really my my main goal is to connect with people and and if I can make money doing that then I've nailed it we all have our own conglomerate greatest hits mixtape burn cd specialized soundtrack to our lives yeah I bet you can think of right now that there's a song, very specific song that you heard the first time, you know, if you had attended a funeral for for somebody that you really cared about. There's probably a soundtrack that, or there's probably a song that fit that moment and is indelible. It's it's married to it so deeply, and I think it's it enriches our lives. It really enriches the moment, and that's that's all I'm trying to do. Be a part of that. Well, Trevor, just to wrap it up, thanks for taking the time to talk with me, but we've been friends for a while, but since you moved here, we've gotten closer. And if people don't know you, you're one of those type of artists that I would consider the first word would be artistic integrity, very friendly, easygoing, very approachable person. And I love the whole poetry angle because that's how I started writing when I was in grade school was poetry because I didn't play anything. And I feel like this... Uh, kindred spirit kind of thing because I really appreciate you and your art and I'm really excited for you that you moved here and you're hitting the ground running and I can't wait to see uh, what great things you do. Well thanks Trey I really appreciate the the time and you know I really I really appreciate the podcast I think this is it's an important channel to help promote people that are doing some really wonderful things some really beautiful things so thank you. Thanks, man. We hope you enjoyed the podcast with Trevor Toms as much as we did recording it. Be sure to check out Trevor's socials for more photos, songs, and dates to catch him live. You can reach us at ftsunashville at gmail.com. And now we have an Instagram account, 
Feeding the Senses Uncensored. You can see my photography work at Trey Mitchell Photography on Instagram and Facebook. Also, I need to thank Damien Horn for use of the song, Take It From Me. As always, feed your senses, feast on your community's artistic talents, and always, always, always feed your soul. <laughs>